Ontology, The Waystation of Red Pill Sanity Written by William Leo Translated by Deep L and a Human Read for you by Eric, Jenny, Mia, and many other bots Previously in the Ontology podcast series The ability to steer cannot be taught in a sailing textbook just as your ability to swim cannot be taught in a swimming textbook, but can only be developed through practical exercise. Human security is, to put it bluntly, an eternal race, against death, as the Red Queen in Alice in Wonderland declares, it takes all the running you can do, to keep in the same place. Fundamentally, the populations protected by the modern welfare state are vulnerable. Season 3. Pandemics and Beyond. Episode 4. Closing Remarks, Facing Death Elimination is a matter of millimeters. When the wind is calm, things are fine for everyone. In the event of danger, countries that experience upheavals internally at the first sign of danger are eliminated. In the event of greater torrents, countries are wiped out furthermore. The countries that survive today are the remnants of a constant elimination. And future storms will, again and again, Weed out new countries that cannot adapt, leaving only those whose elite class with the best decision-making abilities. In another word, such countries experience the most risks and are qualified, as the old sailor and veteran, to be a mentor to the young sailor by virtue of his experience in dealing with death and fear. At the same time, the young sailor or the general public trusts the old sailor to be one of their own who will certainly not out of convenience for his own rule or out of revenge, create unnecessary problems for his own people and those who trust him. It is a process of constant integration and evolution. With each conflict and test, the relationship between the two sides has to be adjusted. The end result is that groups that cannot form a high degree of trust, that are divided and contradictory, sink into the abyss of history in the midst of a proper elimination and simply disappear. While the states and political groups that survive are always in the process of constantly changing their composition and evolving forward by actively throwing out the maladjusted and untrustworthy member or passively allowing himself to be let out. This evolutionary process is characterized by intermittent equilibrium. After a period of peace, a highly challenging moment will come. The new group that is able to pass through this challenging time will have a different composition from the original. The communities and countries that have survived many such challenges have the greatest capacity to resist and to use their resources appropriately to make appropriate decisions. Behind these achievements, which the world has come to admire, is a long and ruthless process of elimination. For example, the democracies of Western Europe and the Eurocentric democracies that are often envied by third world countries have a long history of religious and feudal wars, constant elimination of the elite, and the heavy costs of the birth of the modern nation state. It is only after these prices have been paid that the surviving states and institutes have the trust and decision-making capacity that they now have. Before the process of construction, the solid foundation and benefits of the structure will not be realized. While everyone is complaining and envious, the opportunity is right in front of you. What you are going through now is for the cultivation of your political qualities to make choices in the unknown. You will experience in real terms instead of in theory or in argument the far-reaching consequences of your wrong choice, or the wrong choice of those you trust, that will forfeit the future of yourself and your children and their children and take you out of the game altogether. 
It is such de facto choices of voting with your feet that shape people and their communities and shape the complex relationships between the people within the communities. You can only experience it firsthand, the same way, after you have a different view of the world after sailing or swimming. Then you can relate it to others in part, but there is no way of explaining it entirely in writing or with words. You will understand it after the trial, but there is no way you can make those understand who have not gone through the trial or are afraid of the trial. In the competition between man and nature, man will always be the loser. Every partial success prepares the ground for a larger collapse in the future. It is, therefore, wiser not to be really able to cope with epidemics or any future challenges, but to know what was still very familiar to the primitive tribesmen and those of the early medieval Christians in the time of the English Civil War and Cromwell, that humans need to be familiar with dealing with death and with risk. In Cromwell's day, Christians, whether royalist or parliamentary, had collections of sermons in which the main content was how to face death. By the way, sermon collections had more than ten times the print circulation of all other works, including Shakespeare's, combined, and at least 90% of the British publications were sermons delivered by ministers from the pulpit, which was in fact the main literature of the time. Particularly for men and gentlemen, from the teenage years onwards, the responsibilities of adulthood were synonymous with death. A good Christian is someone who knows how to face death and knows how to die, and the basic spirit of Japanese Bushido is to know how to die. The difference between the samurai and others is not that the samurai are bigger than the others, in fact, there are many of them who are physically weak. Rather, it is that when faced with death, the samurai react differently from ordinary people. Bushido is the study of death, and a samurai is a person who knows how to deal with death. The higher the level of coping with death, the higher your achievement in the practice of Bushido. Of course, this practice is necessarily interchangeable with religious spirituality, since religion is also essentially about coping with death. Thus, a high level of Bushido practice and a high level of religious practice is also interchangeable with each other. This was the case in Christian Europe and in Bushido Japan. What really protects mankind, enlightens human civilization and human existence, is facing death. The human being created by the welfare state and the consumer society is the one who makes death recede into the background. Let's just not think about these nasty things for now. Most pastors also avoid preaching about them. Even if you are formally a Christian or a Muslim or whatever religion, most priests actually talk about secular, political, and social, how to deal with neighbors and things like that, rather than discussing the matter of death. A little baby is supposed to grow up. The death of a baby by chance is something intolerably unfortunate, which would cause priests to say angrily, how could God allow such a thing? Well, medieval people saw this as an inherent part of life. When you are suddenly dying, you would experience the sudden fear of the medieval lepers and of the Jesuits who preached in the cholera areas of India and of the Italian priests during the Great Plague. You become a leper all of a sudden, you are weak, you are subjected to the systematic and stricter abandonment of society than the Soviet Iron Curtain and the persecution of any political prisoner, and you are plunged into utter devastation and despair. You would think that the cursed death of a primitive tribe is a purely barbaric phenomenon, but it is in fact the latter that is far more brutal in terms of the human psyche than those things that almost every modern person is about to experience on his or her deathbed. 
I believe that an old man of a primitive tribe who cannot walk and whose life is pain, is left to die by a river he cannot eventually cross during a tribal migration, suffers much less than a middle-class Christian man who is well-fed and clothed, socially decent and respected, and a leader in his own church. Suddenly plunged into a dying plight and left to face death alone in the midst of a strange hospital with all sorts of tubes inserted into the most reliable medical equipment. How do primitive tribesmen boys grow up? When you no longer need to be carried or carried by an adult, when you swim across the river by yourself for the first time, holding a horse or swimming alone like a man, you are now a man and you have to protect the lives of women, children and the elderly with your own life. When an old man cannot cross that river even with the help of livestock or with the help of a man, it is time for him to die, and he should know how to meet death with dignity. Take your favorite weapon and some souvenirs and a little food, leave it by the river, let your children and grandchildren disappear over the horizon where you will never see them, and stay alone to face death. Most of the medieval chivalry, like that of the white knight tyrant Low Blanche, was about how a knight should face death. A Christian gentleman, a gentleman is synonymous with a knight and a warrior, is, above all, a martial virtue. It is not how to use one's limitations to defeat the enemy, as Sun Tzu's Art of War and Karl von Clausewitz's treatise on warfare have taught since the rise of utilitarianism. This is not martial virtue. It is not even the spirit of respect for the opponent, as demonstrated by Lord Song Xiang, Sultan Saladin, Richard the Lionheart, and Kenshin Yusuji, the spirit of, I fight with the public, with sword and not with salt, the spirit of not attacking the enemy by improper means and fighting only by the noblest means. And mainly, how to face death and face your own defeat when you have failed. In particular, whether you succeed or fail, there comes a time and you have to become an old samurai who nobody cares about when the salary the clan lord gives you is not enough to buy you a winter blanket when you shiver in the cold winter wind and create for yourself a dignified death. One of the illusions of the modern welfare state is the kind of illusion that created the subprime crisis, that everyone should enjoy an affluent and dignified death. They wrongly assume that abundance and dignity are synonymous and that in order to guarantee dignity for all, everyone needs to be abundant. This is the reason why the modern economic crisis cannot be eradicated, neither by Trump nor by anyone else. Any way of guaranteeing abundance for all and that dignity can only be achieved through abundance will lead to infinite inflation of society and the collapse of society itself. Economic collapse is only one extremely unimportant facet of social collapse. Dignity has nothing to do with your material wealth. Moreover, all people are materially inadequate at the time of their death. Think about it, what is enough material when one is young? In fact, you don't really need anything when you're living in a rented house or a school dormitory or something like that with nothing. Do you really need anything other than that three meals a day and a little bit of clothing? You really don't need anything. By the time you die, the most expensive medical facilities in the world will be as insatiable to you as if you hadn't had enough to eat when you were young. The concept of material abundance can never be fulfilled. To achieve human dignity through material abundance, for example, by giving everyone medical care, by keeping everyone safe from harmful viruses, by putting on masks, by keeping everyone at home, and by keeping everyone safe from infectious diseases. This culture of public prevention is at the bottom the same as the welfare state, which is that the state has to have an unlimited capacity to protect. If the state does not have such a capacity, 
the point of providing unlimited protection is to create never-ending inflation that will lead to the collapse of society itself, and any path to unlimited protection will cause society to suffer more than it gains. Thank you for listening. This is a podcast series produced by Luminous Society. Luminous Society provides you with an alternative historical narrative 